Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And Father Drew Maybe. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, everybody. We got on a special guest today. I think one of the happiest people alive, <laughs> always smiling, always joking, always has a good word to say. I think Father Patrick Gagnon would have something to say about that, but <laughs> maybe number three. I don't know. I'm uh, sure there's yeah. someone happier. Tie this for, guy here, t- look at this guy. Tie for uh, first yeah. place. Tie <laughs> for first right. place. I got That's nothing right. on Father Patrick Gagnon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you. Well, well good. That, I got that going for Well, me. welcome, yeah. Father Jim Hobeck. How are you doing yeah, today? Great to you, Father Craig. Very well. In fact... Uh, and you have a smile on your face. And you're do. very happy and, today. And I also have a message from your former employee. You were my sister's boss way back back when that's nice yeah she says hello <laughs> cecilia my niece says hello and uh definitely we're grateful for your time at st ephraim so oh, nice. I cheers to you sir was was a very great assignment and yeah. <laughs> was great to work all together with with all the people there it was Sounds fun good. was good father drew how you doing i'm hanging in how about you padre i'm doing okay i, I don't see you as the happiest pr- priest in the diocese <laughs> i I wouldn't even put you at the top ten. I'm sorry about hey, that. Hey, that's all right. You know, I'm just trying to. I would say you were like one of the most fittest priests. But, yeah, I mean, you that's know, probably not true. This is like just trying to live in the real man, night and day, man. You know, but yeah. Uh, what, hey. is, what is it that you do? You do CrossFit and P90 Exodus 90 or something <laughs> I don't like do that. Anything with 90 in it. Actually, I have done Exodus 90 in the past miserably. So I heard um, there's a thing where you can do Exodus 90 and P90X at the same time, and it's called P90 Exodus. I've never done P90X in my life. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, it wasn't kind of one of these like gimmicky. It wasn't gimmicky. I mean, it was all all out workout, but it was it was very popular in my day back at at the seminary. Okay. Yeah. um, But it was like a hardcore workout. Yeah. yeah, Much like CrossFit. Sure. Yeah. 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 I've been running my mouth since '87, and well, you can see how that's going. That's all the exercise I do. You you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right on. (laughs) Well, welcome everybody. Uh, yeah, and to all of you out there who uh, have been firing off some, uh, Father Craig doesn't know this yet, but I've been uh, getting some great feedback from people that are you're listening out there as you're driving places and you're on road trips and whatnot. So welcome, and we're just I just want to give you a shout out if uh, you've been reaching out to us, all of us who all of you who have sent us a little note or something. We're super grateful that you're uh, tuning in, and we pray that these uh, podcasts are worth your driving experience and uh, you listening. Sorry. Yeah. Rock on, guys. And Rock a quick on. shout out, if I may. Mm-hmm. Hoy es el cumpleaños de mi amiga Olga. Es su día de, de festa. Es muy agradecido por ti. Feliz cumpleaños y que Dios te bendiga ahora y siempre. Amen. Feliz cumpleaños, Olga. There you go. Sí, gracias. Happy Dios. birthday, Olga. You got it. You're natural. You should, be doing, you should be offering Spanish mass, Father. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. that's Put him on the list Barba. if you're out there. Yeah. Padre Barba. Barba. What does that See, mean? You got the beard, <laughs> man. Yeah. How do you say it'd be like a Barba de Victorioso? I don't speak Spanish. Beard of victory? You speak way better Spanish than I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it'd be, uh, it'd be Barba Gloriosa. Victorious Gloriosa. beard? Glorious beard. That's yeah. what Glorious I would say. Beard. Yeah. Or great. Great. You know, that's right. But that means wisdom. Sabaduria. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Father... Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life? What's what's the happiness? What's making you happy these sure. days? So my home parish was Our Lady Queen of All Saints in Fraser, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it's where I learned how to pray. Um, Father Ron Babbage, God rest his soul, 
he exposed me and my family to things like Eucharistic adoration, um, partly because he comes from a Polish background. He had this devotion called, in, in Polish, is Gorzkie Zale, or the Lenten Lamentations. And mm. so during Lent, every Wednesday we would go to Queen of All Saints and pray this. It's kind of like the liturgy, the hours that we mm-hmm. pray. Uh, it's like there's three songs. We reflect on the passion and suffering of Christ. And admittedly, the last time I would have done it would have been 2008, just before I entered seminary. Wow. And so years ago, um, I just had this desire, like, when I'm a priest on my own, I would like to introduce it to my to a parish, whatever I'm at. And so even though I'm not the pastor of Resurrection in St. John Newman, I'm the associate, Father Belin has been— And you're sporting a jacket oh, and right. everything? Everybody, if you're, a, if you're a Resurrection parishioner— <laughs> Father Jim is rocking one of your uh, full zip fleeces. Got it right at now Kmart, thirteen ninety five, thirteen. That's wow, right. There you go. But, uh, that's anyway, a lie. There's yeah. no more. It's kind of the right color. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's got some blue and some some gold in it. That's so right. It's kind of the right colors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But ba- so basically, um, even though I'm not the pastor, I asked Father Belin if I could, and for the first time as a priest, I've been able to offer the Lenten Lamentations. Uh, for the people to see. So when is that normally done? Like on a Friday night so after we, the we stations? So we do it on Wednesday nights, just okay. as, uh, kind of the similar what I just what I grew up with. And uh, 7 o'clock we start, and we've had so many people come, and they've never heard of it, but they love it. It's been very wow. beautiful. So that has caused both incredible joy because I finally get to do it, and then That's also awesome. for me it's such a powerful reflection on what Jesus endured. So the first part is like from the garden to his trial, the second part is from the trial to basically taking up the cross, and then the final part is on Calvary. And so, wow, it's amazing. What's what's the uh, the time and in, in, uh, time of day you offer this? Uh, Seven p.m. We do. okay at your yeah. parish. Yep. So, so if you're interested out there, yeah, please Resurrection Parish. It's in Canton. Um, if you know where IKEA is, that's like maybe everybody does ten minutes from IKEA, and then just down the road from St. John Newman. So. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, rock on. So that's cause it's Maybe Father joy. Craig and I left to make a little pit stop. Yeah, we can stop at IKEA and get some meatballs <laughs> and right. hot dogs. And <laughs> that's right. Are they Swedish people? I think so. Yeah, IKEA is Swedish, right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who knows? Yeah. I bought we, some we got the nod of approval before. from our guy over here. Right, God right bless him. <laughs> what about you, Father Drew? What's been going on with you? What's going on with me? Um, kind of the same. I mean, I hate to say my life's somewhat um, a steady rhythm, but uh, Father Jake was just away on a for about a week and a half on this pretty sweet, um, awesome kind of training experience for some ministry stuff. So just busy parish life. We got uh, Lent in full force, and we felt like the Lord wanted us to just kind of be more generous in offering the sacraments. So currently we have, uh, this was actually, I I think this was kind of a work of uh, Father Grayson Heenan and Father Jake when they were together there, but they started this thing called Mercy Night. So they moved their confession times to Friday night. Um, and they have adoration for two hours and confession, and so we've been doing that ever since. So we have that as our normal confession time, but during Lent this year, we started doing confessions every day before Mass. Um, this is not to make us look like somehow we're uh, you know, doing something, I don't know, more heroic than somebody else, but we just felt like the people that we have, especially the Hispanic community, oftentimes because of like the way they, they have their work schedule, is they work, you know, uh, sometimes late into the evening, so it's hard for them to make it to some of our th- our uh, confession times. So we started uh, having daily confessions, so that's been in full force, and daily mass, and uh, I think just Stations of the Cross have been packed, and have been really, Father Jake and I were talking just the other day, I think one of the highlights so far uh, in terms of just being a priest right now in Pontiac uh, with our parish it's just seen how much people seem to be really engaged in the 40 days. So we've noticed that like, it's just the Lord seems to be kind of bringing people out of the woodwork 
to be honest, in some ways. So yeah. we've got a lot more numbers. For can, uh, our confession seems, times seem to be packed. Uh, masses seem to be really kind of on the up right now. Um, so if you're out there and uh, it's, you know, the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart to maybe make a response in these 40 days, it's a great time to uh, encounter the mercy of Jesus and his great love. It's really interesting, too, to see, like, popular culture kind of get in on the 40 days. Like, yeah. I'm still... And you wonder if that's yeah, maybe part of it a little bit? I don't know. Like, you know, McDonald's will be like, the fish sandwich is out now, you know? Yeah. like you Shamrock know, Shake. Have you, you ever know? had one of their fish sandwiches in the recent years? <laughs> they aren't that bad. I mean, I'm not a McDonald's guy, but I recently... Um, rocked one a few maybe like a few weeks ago month ago and i was kind of impressed good Anyways, stuff man yeah so i suppose that's a highlight too now is there anything that you do in your community that um you know that would be a little bit different that sure uh other than the confessions time like right now we're just doing uh plentitudes of it seems like a, a lot of folks in our parish i shouldn't say a lot but a, a notable one of, the, one of the gifts of being a priest is you get to know the daily mass community, you know, and, and you get to know some of the regulars, the staple people, you might say, mm-hmm. people who have spent many years, sometimes grown up in the parish, and now they're kind of at the last stages of their life. So we've had a number of our parishioners, longtime folks, uh, very beautiful folks uh, that are going just through some medical trials right now. And so in a particular way, we've gotten some unique time to kind of minister to them and walk with them. Yep. Uh, and it's been really cool to just see how I've been really surprised, I shouldn't say surprised, I suppose, just encouraged that uh, the parish, when you announce somebody, and they're all visible, I mean, people come to Mass and they get to know who these folks are, even if they've only been a parishioner for a short time. And when you announce that, hey, they're not doing well, can you pray for them? And we try to mention them by name. Uh, people really take an interest. So it's, it's. Um, I guess I've just been blessed recently to see, sometimes in the church, it can be the it can be the case that it's such a big crowd, people don't really know each other. But I would say one of the gifts of Pontiac is that in some ways it's it still has a bit of a, a close-knit reality, plus you add that with the combination of the just the vibrant Hispanic community that we have. And the community dimension is, is maybe a little bit deeper than the average experience. And so as we mentioned, these, these kind of staple people of the parish are not doing well. It's been a great gift just to see people kind of come out of um, their normal rhythm of life and say, how can I help? How can I, can I come over and make them food? Can I drive them to their appointments? So it was just, a, I guess, to get back to your, and all my rambling to your earlier question, one of the graces <laughs> is just being seeing, I think, in a, in a visible way, shout out to our parish, uh, people actually taking up the call to... Uh, really be there for each other as brothers and sisters in in Jesus. Being and been in communion. In communion, in community, yeah. yeah. Like to actually look out for each other and have their good uh, in mind and remember each other and pray for each other. Even And why it's so important to like be in church too, that we yeah. are people that come together for that very reason. Yeah. I think there was an article recently in um, one of our Detroit Catholic uh, publications about the importance, I think Th- Father Dave Tomaziki did it, the importance of like being part of a parish. And it's just been striking as you watch these people, you know, these folks um, go through their medical trials, like just the need we have as humans, I think we all know this for community, but in some real way, the parish, at least the the idea, of, I, I think what the heart of God is, is that it actually does really become a family and a community and not just kind of a, a massive, you know, just gathering of people who don't know each other. Yeah. So... To see that start to happen, I'm not saying we're perfect by any means, we've got a long way to go, but to see that start to happen in a 
in a kind of intergenerational way has been really, really awesome and beautiful. So yeah. may that continue. That's awesome. So that's been a grace, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome grace. How about you, man? Oh, last week we had the uh, evening prayer and dinner with the Archbishop. And nice. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, they did a little write-up uh, in Detroit Catholic, so go check it out. But um, we had over 210 guys uh, attend uh, this year, which was up from 150 last year. Wow. So a couple good. parishes that haven't come before brought a number of uh, guys along, and this is you know, high school age guys, maybe a little bit older, some in college and stuff like that. And it's just a very simple night where they came and we prayed uh, evening prayer with the archbishop. He said a few words, then we had dinner together. And then um, we had a couple seminarians to kind of just give their vocation talk and a witness. And it just went very well. And it was just good to see that that many guys, whether it was something that was on their heart since they were like five years old to whether, you know, your pastor just asked you last week, hey, I got to bring some guys, would you be willing to go that they came? And to see that they're not alone, that like 200 guys were in this seminary. Yeah. Just thinking about the priesthood, it doesn't mean they're yeah. going to enter yeah, into yeah. the priesthood. I had one guy talking to me about like, what does it mean to be in a holy relationship if you're going to get married, which is fine. Like, like let's talk about yeah. what vocation is right. and, and um, live it out more fully each and every single day. But it was just really heartwarming to see that many guys there. And hopefully they got to look around and say, hey, this is not weird. This is something that a number of guys are thinking about. That's yeah. terrific. Yeah. And I yeah. did also, I, I was doing a small little... Um, discernment group for high schoolers it was sort of like a pilot kind of stage and there weren't that many guys a part of it but it it worked out really well we did a kind of a six week every week and 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 they showed up and we talked and i just thought it was a pretty cool thing we just finished it and um hopefully maybe in the future i'll get to try it out at a couple of different high schools and see how that Love works that. Yeah. yeah nice that's pretty cool right on yeah well father jim tell us father jim you, you have a, a wonderful vocation story I, I i believe i don't know your oh, vocation yeah. story <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you be the judge after all right, I give it. Right. how about that he yes. just felt grace inspiring him to make yeah, you know yeah. well a little prophetic witness i mean i just ha- i have to imagine that it's going to be awesome so well, i'm excited to I'm, hear your vocation story I, so why don't you tell it however you want to tell it first of all yeah. thank you for the invitation to come on the show and without question um as i once said to father bob Lacroix in my ordination buckle up you know because it's a bit of a bit of a tale i, I won't I'll try not to be too verbose, but there's a lot of good things along the way. And so way back, kindergarten would have been 93 or 92, first grade, 93. And I remember our teacher asking us, like the class, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, so one kid's like, yeah, I want to be a firefighter. Another girl wants to be a doctor. And then me, what do you want to be? I want to be like Indiana Jones. Nice. Archaeologist, right? Rock on. As a aside, in 2014, I was given the same. There's only three Indiana Jones movies. I, oh, I, sorry, I go ahead. 100% <laughs> with you. That's right. Yeah. As an aside, in 2014, Father Richards invited me to Newman to give my vocation talk. And at the end of it, very sweet, lovely little, probably kindergarten raised hands, who's Indiana Jones? I'm like, and that day I died a little bit inside. She had no clue who Indy was. That yeah. happens. It's called dating yourself. Yeah. It's happened a lot as time has gone on. Yeah, it does. So obviously, like, archaeology, adventure, going around the world was very enticing. And then as time went on, you know, I remember even back in second grade at the aforementioned Queen of All Saints, that's when I started altar serving. And I could be like my brother. I could finally receive communion like my brother. And while I would be serving, there were some of the, we'll say, seasoned 
citizens there at the parish were like, you know, you'd make a good priest. You look really holy up there. And I said, well, no, no, I want to be a police officer. So changed a little bit. Move ahead to eighth grade, where at that point I wanted to be an environmental scientist. I I remember (laughs) it was Richards Junior High in Fraser. They put out a list just predicting what people would be. So like Johnny's going to be a professional video game player and Susie's going to be a ballerina and said James Holbeck priest I said what <laughs> priest where does this come from and I knew there was one guy in the, the yearbook staff that we went to catechism together and you know I, I knew my stuff but as I said I like my I wanted something different you know mm-hmm. I wanted to work for science save the world whatever let's fast forward to 2005 graduation at Fraser um same people put out the same or similar list. So now Johnny will be developing video games. Hmm. Susie will now be on Broadway, you know, as hmm. a starlet. Then there's James Holbeck. What do you think's next to James Holbeck? Uh, environmental scientist. <laughs> French professor. And I said, what? Wow. <laughs> what happened? How did? Oui, how oui. could I go from priest to French professor? Comment allez-vous? Yeah, it's like, mais oui, you know. It's, Comment allez-vous? Yeah, uh, je ne sais pas. No, <laughs> and so, so here's what happened. Um, in in my, have been from junior year to senior year, I had a thought about being a priest. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of came, and it would have been December of 2004, so now I was a senior. And I told the pastor, Father Babich, I said, you know, uh, I was thinking about priesthood. It seems kind of cool. And he went crazy. He's like, oh, good. Read this book. Pray this prayer. Here's this devotion. And I said, okay. Wow. In February 2005, uh, it was right, I remember, it was right before Lent. I was serving Mass. And after the homily, Father Babich sat down, stands up, and he said, well, before we, before we pray the creed, James, I want to invite you forward. Okay. And I go up there, stand next to him. And he said, this is James Holbeck. He's been a parishioner since he was a baby, and I'm so honored to say that he'll be going to Sacred Heart Major Seminary for a discernment weekend next month, and he will be the first ordained priest from Our Lady Queen of All Saints. And people are Wow. <laughs> and I went cold. I was like, oh, man. Like, no yeah. pressure. I don't, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I remember it was you March. You do that all the time, people, don't you? Never. Well, I mean, <laughs> it just depends, right? Yeah. So Mar- March 17, 2005, I came here. And uh, my mom dropped me off. I had my suitcase. And I remember when I came up to the seminary, it seemed like there were gas lamps out there. <laughs> and it was a dark, foreboding, like, castle. We have electricity, and I think. We did. Yeah. You know, this is before they did the, the wiring. So I remember oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the sure. fire, even before we started. The security gate yeah. was like an <laughs> iron rod gate. I, and I swear, like, I walked down that aisle where Monsignor Hall and Baldwin used to live. Yeah, God it was rest dark, both. Just yeah. one light. The the hallway where all the rooms were. Again, the same thing, like no light. You had and a walk- flaming torch <laughs> yeah, to right. light your way. Yeah, I walk into the room. There's like three beds separated by uh, a little, little uh, drawers. Yeah, armoires, thank you. And I just felt so out of place. That's French. Yeah, oh, way to go. Yeah. Man, we, <laughs> might have some, we might have some French work yeah, for all right. of us here. I got to brush Frere up. Frere over yeah. here. That's yeah. Right. So, Dome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that first night, I mean, honestly, part of the problem is I was very sheltered. I didn't. I wasn't away from my family that much. I just didn't feel at peace. And I didn't sleep that night. How I, old were you at the time? I just turned 18, okay. so four wow. days prior. And so uh, I... I Went the next day, we, we had a, a class on homiletics, and I just felt like a fish out of water. Three o'clock, we had a little bit of a break, so I was reading the Bible, and I just started bawling. I'm like, 
I don't want to be here. I don't know what's going on. So I was struggling with it. I prayed about it, and I said, no, i got to talk to the vocation director. So it was Father Jim Bilo at the time. And I went to him, and I just said, look, I can't do this. I'm having a hard time. I, I want to go home. And he's like, well, what happened? I'm like, well, no, 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 I just, I can't be here. I just, I don't, I feel out of place, you know. And he's like, well, just a second. A couple things. First of all, Jim, why do you want to be a priest? So 18 years old, I said, well, I want to be a priest to save the Catholic Church and to inspire thousands to be like me. And I'm grateful I was honest. And he said, well, Jim, you know, I, I, that's very nice. He said, but the problem is we call that a savior's complex. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church has a savior. It's Jesus Christ, not James Holbeck. And I'm, I needed to hear that. It was good. Yeah. And he said, but here's the thing. You know, we invite guys to come and see, see what it's like. My encouragement is stay. No, 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 I don't want to stay. Okay, fine. What I would say is you're a little young at this point, and so my advice to you is, you know, finish high school, go to college, get a job. If you can get a girlfriend, keep it Catholic. But if for some reason that doesn't work out, come back and give us a try. And with that, I just said goodbye. I got my things, called my parents. And I remember when I was walking away from the seminary, I looked back and I said, to heck with this place, I'm never gonna see it again. Great prophet that I was. Yeah. And I went home and admittedly, like some people were disappointed because I talked up, like I'm going to the seminary and it's gonna be, it's my life. Yeah. And as time went on, you know, I, I graduated high school. I went to Macomb Community for nice. a couple of years, then Oakland for one. I was studying reading specialty to be a reading specialist and then elementary education. Hmm. And so I remember like I, I tried to date and you know, even with this visage, and I had hair at the time, Nice. not much luck. Hmm. And then I had a job, I worked at American House in Roseville, a nurse, or an independent living home, and I was a year away from my bachelor's, and I was Wait, in so you wanted to teach kindergartners, but you were working with elderly people. Kind of, right, I wanted to teach kids how to read, right, to inspire them, so reading specialist. Um, so it could have been any age of elementary ed, right? Okay. But, um, so basically, uh, I was sitting in class, it was a professional development class, and you know, it was a little different than like the rhetoric I was taking or some other like specific, you know. This is more so just like, how do you be a teacher in this mm. day and age? Yeah, yeah. So I remember I sat down and the teacher comes in and I did that on purpose, you know, I know yeah. I'm not supposed we to don't hit the hit table. The table yeah, that's right. But he puts his briefcase on the desk and he says, so you guys want to be a teacher. Well, there's a couple things you need to know. And I say this with all due respect to teachers, this is just what the guy said. Kids hate you, parents don't respect you, you have low job benefits, you have no security, and there's no guarantee you're gonna like what you do. And so with that, let's begin. And I thought, well, that's a great honest. sales yeah. pitch. You yeah, know? Fun. And, yeah. and to be fair, I think part of Happy. it was, it was like a weeding <laughs> out, you know, of, of we'll say not non-candidates. Sure. And I tell you, in the class, you know, of course, nobody's, everyone's got their heads down. We had Palm Pilots, if you remember those. Palm Pilots. Palm Pilots. Way back. There you go. That's Palm right. Pilots. I never way, had The way back pilot. machine, right? Yeah. Um, that's like when Nokia yeah. cell phones were. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, the little zip-on vinyl yeah. cover. For exactly. Phone, you know? That's right. And um, I just remember, I was like, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. And in that moment, I panicked. I, I had an absolute meltdown, and I thought, what am I going to do with my life? Did I just waste all these years studying? And mm. I mean, and the biggest thing was, what am I going to tell my parents? Mm. You know, they, am I going to disappoint them? And I swear to you. All because this one guy came in and said that? Yeah. Really? I had a, a big crisis. And so, wow. but I swear to you, in the midst of that chaos, there was a voice as clear as day. And that voice said, what about the priesthood? 
And to be honest, I'd heard that before. Like mm-hmm. at the time when I'd hear that, I'd say, no, I want a wife, I want kids, I'm gonna be a teacher, have a job, have a, a house. It's not for me. Picket fence. Right. <laughs> yeah. 2.5 kids. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible, but you know, wood paneled station wagon. The mystery, the mystery, those are cool. Mystery (laughs) continues, right? But I said, for like after I heard that voice, I said, "What about it, Lord? Is that what you want for me? Is that what you desire?" And all that chaos had disappeared; it was gone. Wow! And I felt this great sense of peace. Obviously, it wasn't completely certain, but I picked up my things. Nobody paid me any mind. Walked out. Of the classroom. Yep. And I went home. Right you. after he said that? After I felt, well, after I felt the Lord How long was it, that? Yeah. Like, how long were you in the classroom? And I had five minutes. Okay. <laughs> wow. And so I remember. So the guy I, got you. He was yeah. like, he was like pumping yeah. his fist going so like, yeah, like, I got somebody. Yeah. There's some real kind of mysterious grace work in here. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And so I remember I went home. My mom was setting the table. What are you doing here? Because it was a three hour class. Yeah. I said, well, let me finish setting the table and I'll tell you. And I remember I, I sat down after. What a good son. After dinner. Table, <laughs> yeah. Just, well, yeah, my, my <laughs> siblings probably have some other stories about me. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, basically, I just I started crying because I wasn't sure how they'd take it. I remembered four years ago that some people were disappointed, you know, me not going at the time. And I said, Mom, Dad, I think I want to be a priest. Hmm. Now, my mom, she heard I was going to be made pope. She went crazy. And she's all excited and, you know, woo. Yeah, my dad was a little wave, more, a little more serious. The second, yep. second story window yeah. of your house, <laughs> a little more skeptical, and he said something I've never forgotten. He said, "James, I don't want you to start something just to quit, just because it's too hard or you don't think you can do it." Yeah. He said, "If you're going to do this, you have to go through with it. You have to become a priest." I said, "Well, Dad, I, I don't think that's how it works, but thank you." And um, I took, I, I actually went the next Tuesday. I with I went to the office to withdraw from Oakland. Hmm. I remember the the counselor was like, "Well, kind of like, kind of like Father Bilo. Whoa, 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 hold on. What happened? You know, why this is kind of a radical change. What are you going to do instead?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to withdraw from here, and I'm going to try to apply for the seminary to become a priest." Really, you're going to throw away a career just to be a priest? I said, <laughs> wow. "You've made my decision a little easier. Here's my papers. Have a nice day, and uh, God bless her, whoever she was." But then, so what happened is. Um, March of 2009, um, I talked a little bit with Father Babich about it. And again, it was a little colder because he, w- he was pretty gung-ho four years prior. Yeah. But um, this time, I drove myself, came down during the day so I could actually see what it looked like. And Father Bernie, the vocation director at the time, um, welcomed us all. And from the moment I walked in to the moment I left, there was a great peace. that I felt this mm. this connection just... With being there, it was like I needed a little time to mm. just get used to the world or to grow as yeah, a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I said was, I'm going to go through the application process. If it's the Lord's will, I'll start. And then I'm going to give it at least one year because I don't know. I don't know what God's calling me to. So August of 2009, we went on a... Nice. I don't know if you listened to it. We called it Viggy Bash, but uh, the the days with, with Archbishop Vigneron. So that was over Manresa. Okay. And... Um, Started my classes the same month, and glossing over a, a long chunk of time. Graduating in April 2017 was an ordained priest October 7th, the same year. So awesome! Nice. Yeah, awesome. So we were in the seminary for one year together. Yep. So okay. I remember you. I think you were a deacon at the time because you were ordained in ten. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we were there. Yeah. Did <laughs> Did any of us older guys inspire you? Like, look at that transitional deacon. I want to be. I want to be holy. <laughs> 
I want to be like that guy. Well, I mean, I was in the same with like uh, <laughs> at the time it was Deacon Matthias Stalin. I thought he was very nice, uh, very inspirational even to this day. You, I remember you. Um, just, I, I'm not an artist. I can't even draw a stick figure well. You are a very good artist, and you would share just some of the, the, the work that you did, some of the things that you know, life experiences you had, and I, I enjoyed talking to you. Mm. Um, ironically, uh, Deacon James Arwady, he was a very strong personality at the time, and. We, we had some very strong conversations in the, the lunchroom, but he is an incredible priest now up in Marysville, St. Christopher, doing great work up there, and I, I've got a lot of respect and appreciate him a lot. And um, was Father Jorge Miramontes in your crew, or was he behind you? He was one year behind. Okay, he's, he's a Madison he a, priest, right? Great, yeah, great yeah, right guy. So, Where is he uh, from originally? Mexico? I have no idea. All right, well, Father Jorge, if you listen, uh, <laughs> write us and let us know where you're from. That's right. Well, Harry Carey, remember? Hey! <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. So that was... Uh, so how much time did you have left on your schooling uh, at Oakland? I was one year away from my uh, bachelor degree. I, I was certified to teach in general education at least. Mm. And um, You would have had to have done some internship though, right? The only thing was a place called Tutor Time in uh, Sterling Tutor Heights. Time? Yeah, it was uh, just basically like deal- title. <laughs> de- uh, dealing with uh, preschoolers, you know, and kind sure. of the their lifestyle, their their energy, you know. And uh, But other than that, no, I, I wasn't yet in a place where I would be doing anything in a school. So just it was all the kind of the educational framework at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you never made it to dating or anything like that? I mean, that was, you know. I've been on one date in my life. I tried. And I was always the nice guy, always a sweetheart. But, uh, no. And honestly, like, I've obviously, because remember. The only reason why. But here's why I say it. The the only reason I bring that up is because sometimes guys think, well, I don't have anything to offer. Like, I'm not, you know, good looking enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. So I may as well just be a priest. And to be fair, that is something I had to pray with and discern. Yeah. And when we went to IPF, uh, Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, we we dealt with that, like body issues or confidence, whatever it may be. And then in the 30-day silent retreat we did out in South Dakota, I did pray with that. And mm-hmm. I had to say, like, Lord, part of my problem is I just I feel inadequate. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I could uh, fill in the blank, right? Mm-hmm. But that is something I said. I had to ask myself, are you becoming a priest because you don't feel good enough? That's mm-hmm. not why you become a priest. Yeah. And so when I brought some of those wounds to Jesus, when I just prayed with it, I came to see when God created me, he didn't make a mistake. Mm. That God, you know, he created me beautiful in a way. And for all of the things I didn't like about myself, I was able to bring those to Jesus, find a lot more peace, just happy with who I am. And Praise God. and again, like, though I tried, it just wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so, and the only yeah. reason why I brought that up is because sometimes uh, men will be asking me like, well, I haven't really dated, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think I should date just to get the experience? And if you feel called and God's calling you to something, then I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that would be a good thing. I mean, yeah. if you're unsure, well then, yeah. But if you got a, a really good feeling that you want to come into the seminary, you shouldn't just date just because you want to get an experience i mean that's unfair to you that's unfair to the woman that you're yeah. going to date and who knows what else and sometimes parents yeah. will even be like well i don't know i don't want them to go to the seminary right out of high school i want them to go to regular college first sure. and all this other different type of stuff and there's some wisdom there but at the same time if you know your son is really that strong 
about wanting to enter the seminary. One year in the seminary is going to make him a better man than any college is going to make him. You know, so. Yeah, and I think there's, there is something too about just biblically. I mean, when Jesus calls the 12, there's an immediate response and he just breaks or he intervenes or interrupts their life. Um, And so, yeah, I, I just agree with you. I think I'm thinking of seminary and probably you too, Father Jim, where you're in this kind of house with a bunch of different guys who have a bunch of different experiences. I remember there was guys who came and sent, we had a guy in our hallway who got ordained at 60 some years old, you know, and uh, we had guys who came out of high school and we had guys who graduated college, who worked in the world, who owned a house and sold that and came to seminary. So it just seems like, I, I, I think I get what you're saying and I agree, but at the same time, it's like, it does seem like we want everybody who Jesus is calling when he's calling them. And, and, and though there's a practical wisdom, I think, that's obviously in prudence, like, hey, maybe there's a level of, I think it was John Paul II, please correct me, all of you who know way more than I ever do, but John Paul II who kind of emphasized the human pillar as being like the pillar of formation for everything to kind of, because grace builds on nature. So it's just to say, I suppose, and like in a human context, if somebody's not really like, you know, maybe there's something they just need to get more experience for their humanity to kind of come to a, a you might just say a more flourishing state. That might be one thing, but at the same time, I agree with you. I think there's sometimes this fear of like, well, I haven't tried every other option yet, and I probably should try every other option just to make sure. And I think there's something maybe not right about that. You know, um, if Jesus is calling and you think you have a call, then go test it. It's not like we're ordaining you when you walk in the door, obviously. Yeah. And you might as well test it. and then You might you, not even get accepted at this seminary. Yeah, and you I think mean, of like yeah. Abraham and Isaac we just had this past week weekend, you know. It's like you're putting your life on the altar in a real way and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm thinking of a guy I used to live with after college who um, I was just getting ready to come into seminary. He had just come out of a kind of a discernment experience with religious life. And he was a great gifted guy, way better man than me in so many ways. But he just... Uh, I remember him saying to me, because I was kind of, he was asking my, my own experience and like why I wanted to become a priest. And he's like, yeah, you know, I just, for him, I remember him saying, he's like, yeah, I just felt like, I, I won't use his name, but he was like, he felt called to be married, but he all, always kind of felt like he had to put his life on the altar once to just give God a chance to say maybe, maybe he wasn't called to marriage. And when he put his life on the altar, sort of like with Abraham and Isaac, and he went away to religious life or the community for a while, it became very, very clear to him that actually God did make him for what he desired. And uh, and for me, it was like the opposite. You know, there was there's always like a natural call to married life. Marriage is beautiful. There's a way in which I think we're all ordered to that. But yet there was like this higher invitation from Jesus, the way I guess I could explain it in simple terms. And so it's just kind of like, why wait to, if, if discernment is such to say, if you feel like you have that higher invitation that Jesus is kind of holding his hand out and, and motioning you to come, go now. And that way, if for some reason you find out that's not the call, then you can freely go into the world and begin to take up the vocation of marriage, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you, if you kind of put it on hold and say, well, I should just, all I'm thinking about is practical looking at every option. I'm just going to go to college. I think you can run into this, it's been my experience, you can run into this uh, reality where you go off to college and then suddenly it's like, you might be dating some good Catholic girl, hopefully, and uh, and then you're realizing like, well, you can't really, really enter into a relationship because you feel like, well, you know, but I, you think you're probably called to the seminary and you can't really 
I, I don't think the Lord wants us to discern those kind of like in the moment. I think you have to kind of try one first with your heart, and then the Lord kind of will reveal to you, okay, this isn't what I have for you. And then you can freely go out into the world, go to college, and, and take up another life. I don't know if that's, I've said anything of substance there, but... Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I hear you a lot. And I think you can't really weigh them both at the same time. And I think that's what people try to do sometimes. But you have to be ready and, and willing at the time. Yeah. Sure. And I remember the, the second year or the first year in seminary, they had this awful uh, show on. It was called God or the Girl. <laughs> Um, is this, a, is this like one, a vocation yeah. show? It was a vocation show on regular, on regular TV, more, yeah. God or the girl. So they picked three guys and they were going to discern whether or not to go into so the seminary the bachelor or something. Yeah. <laughs> or stay with their girlfriend. Like you don't do that. You can't yeah, discern yeah. two right. vocations at the time. And it's funny because you're like, you're watching it and the guy's on the beach with his girlfriend, like his head on her lap, you know, going like, Praying I don't know. Sweet. I don't yeah. know if I should be in the <laughs> seminary. I just miss my girl so much. You know, like that's, sure. that's not the way to discern. You a bishop have, now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He's a cardinal now. The Lord still worked. <laughs> you know, oh, so man. like, yeah, you, you can't do it all at the same time and you have to give the Lord some time to work. So we didn't ask you, Father Jim. Let me just throw one more thing to that real quick. I think there's just something too about if the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, give the Lord the first dibs. Like give him the first offering. Give him him your life, you know? And then if he says no, then you can go out into the world and kind of take the more normal, you might say natural route. But don't put it off. Right. And just to kind of follow just final points to to the, the vocation story, the first thing, the biggest change for me was yeah. basically my whole life is I want this. This is what I want to do. This yeah, is what yeah. I want to be. This is what I'm gonna, how I'm going to get it. The biggest change came with that question, is that what you want, Lord? Mm. Is that your will for me? Everything else fit into place that way because, again, in the Lord we find our peace. Yeah. But also, too, the shift from myself, what I want, what's all about me, um, that's not going to fly either as a priest, as a husband, whatever. You always have to be open to the other, especially God. Yeah. So that insight was such a huge change in my life. Yeah. Second thing, it kind of ties into dating, but I think one of the challenges that a man has is he has to, if you will, sacrifice the opportunity to have a wife and children. Sure. On the contrary, what you find is even it's not so much giving up a family, you receive your true love, Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But that was something I had to pray with. And so as God would have it, in 2011, after we did Cuernavaca, you know, the six weeks in, in Mexico to mm-hmm. learn Spanish, I told Father Steve Burr, now the rector, I said, you know, with all due respect, I don't want to just sit at home for six weeks. Can you help me find a parish to live in? And so uh, he said, all right, well, there's three options. There's uh, Sacred Heart Roseville, which is like five minutes from my parents' house. I'm like, no, no thank you. <laughs> Second one was, I think, St. Joseph at Detroit. And I said, well... Okay, maybe, but what's the third one? He said, St. Peter and Paul North Branch. And I said, where's that? <laughs> I said, that's it. It's got to be it. So I remember I looked on the computer where it was. I'm like, oh, it's like north of Inlay City. I've been there. Uh, is that Detroit, the Archdiocese, or is that Saginaw? I don't know. So, is that the UP? Yeah, <laughs> North yeah. Branch is a beautiful farm town. It's in the thumb. Uh, it's about 45 minutes north of Rochester. And I remember driving down M90 my first day when I was moving or just going to meet the pastor. I was like, oh, they have a biker bar. That's cool. And nice. Is that, is that a silo? Perfect <laughs> that, place for evangelization. Is that, they don't even have a blinking red light, you know? And of course, yeah. some little city boy looking yeah. down. And the reason I bring this up is because when I, when I moved into the parish and I was there for the summer, basically, if you don't do anything, like if you don't search for the people, if you don't, yeah. you just sit and stare at the wall and watch paint dry. 
Yeah. It's a very small uh, parish, especially during the summer. It's kind of kind of quiet. And so um, while I was there, God introduced me to three particular families, um, and I love them very much. But that summer, what God showed me is that though I'm not called to be a dad or a husband, yeah. he will provide. Yeah. And that's one thing I did pray for. That's awesome. When I started in 2009, that first uh, weekend, I said, Lord, it's hard to not. It's hard to imagine not having a wife or kids. Yeah. So you have to show. You have to provide and, and help me to see what it means to have a family. Yeah. So in 2011, he made that happen. Where uh, my friends Katrina and Patty, they run a shop up in North Branch called Dulea Memories. That was one spot that I would go to visit just to get to know them, see their business, and then really be introduced to their families. Yeah. And. Um, and they, they know the story very well, but the first big thing I had was um, Patty's son, Stephen, was marrying his wife, Lauren, mm-hmm. at St. Peter and Paul there in North yeah. Branch. And <laughs> the uh, the wedding rehearsal, I didn't know anybody. I kind of looked like a weirdo. I had like a notepad, and I was taking names. Okay, that's the bride. And the, yeah, that's yeah. the that's okay. That's the what sister of the groom. Do here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and, and, and yeah, again, you going, know, yeah. it didn't help wearing a fedora and sunglasses inside, right? Of but course, anyway. Yeah. So the grandmother, she went home to God, and beautiful lady Ellen comes up to me and she says, can you believe these people running around, running amok, making noise in this church? When I was their age, we weren't allowed to even make a peep. And I was like, lady, I, I just live here. You know, I don't know anybody here. The, you know, at least it's the rehearsal, not the wedding, right? And, yeah, right. Uh, and after that, we went to, to the farm for their rehearsal dinner. And I remember just, again, dummy me, shopping at Meyer my whole life, Kroger my whole life. I'm looking out at the fields because the Brizzy's farm out there. And I'm like, so what do you guys farm? Like carrots and lettuce and stuff? They're like, well, no, we do corn, sugar beet, or uh, soybeans and sugar beets. I'm like, oh, yeah, beets, those are good on salads. They're like, no, that's what's processed into sugar. I'm like, yeah, yeah. We always say country bumpkin, but it's actually the city. It's that, uh, <laughs> that yeah, I right. proved myself to be. Right. And anyhow, so so I share all that because as time went on, not only was I similar in age to their children, um, I got to see their kids grow up. I got to be at the time uh, seminarian Jim, and then eventually deacon, and then it was father uncle or frunkle Jim to all their kids. And God provided a spiritual family for me. I love them all very much. I'm very grateful to have them. Um, but what's funny is, like, their oldest son, he just turned, or the oldest grandchild, he just turned 17, he couldn't say seminarian, so he called me supernarian. And then it became Super Jim. Now it's Father Super Jim. And it's like, what God has done is he said, you followed me, you, you've done what I've asked, and I will not leave you alone. And yeah. so I have my brother priest to support me, obviously. I've got a beautiful family with my parents, my, si- my siblings, my nieces. Yeah. Um, but he's also provided a spiritual family Yeah. that I'm not alone, I'm not bereft, um, but I get to pray for them and I get to walk with them and it's incredible. Yeah, so, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Can we rewind just a little bit? Because, you know, it's you like were, an old thing, rewinding. Are, like yeah, aren't we doing this live? 90s. How yeah. do we do that? Okay. But yeah, we can rewind. Yeah. <laughs> I can control time. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you, you hear this this guy, this teacher, you know, tell you that your, your life is going to suck. And then you're like, okay, I want to be a priest. What were you doing at that time in your prayer life to be open and ready for God, for you to accept God's invitation? Because you couldn't have just not right. been doing anything. So to be very clear, 
uh, at age 22, my prayer life was every night an Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, Act of Contrition. That's it. That's it. Um, I would pray. The, at the time, I would try to pray the rosary, but I found it boring and I found it kind of very repetitive. And the only thing I mentioned the Lamentations um, during Lent that always drew me. Like it, it went beyond just the words to think about what Jesus endured. It's based off Scripture too, right? Yeah. Of the Passion. And I remember when I would serve uh, Lamentations, there was always that that combination of both marveling at Christ, what He did for me, and then also. Even though I, I didn't fully understand the the weight of sin, it's like, well, I've done wrong. Yeah. And at the time when the when I was going through that class and that experience happened, remember, so this would have been about August or September. Um, I really wasn't praying that much. Like my my understanding of being Catholic was, I go to church on Sundays, I pray before I go to bed, I pray before meals, and that's it. And so, needless to say, when that experience happened. To recognize that that voice inside was not mine, that was a form of prayer. Because you, you hear my voice, and I talk to myself all the time. That voice didn't come from me. Yeah. Hmm. And so what I did is, obviously, I, I made the quick decision to leave to tell my parents. But then from there, I took some time to pray about it. And I, I asked myself, like, well, what are you prepared to do? Like, hmm. part of it, you have to talk to Father Babbage because you need advice. Part of it is that... You have to bring it to Jesus now. And again, though I didn't understand that as a form of prayer, I would ask God, like, are you really calling me or is, is this really what, what I'm for? Is this what you created me for? How are you going to do this? Mm. And um, yeah. So that was, so on that day that it happened, admittedly, I wasn't praying. I, I wasn't. I didn't understand what the spiritual life was, but that was one of the biggest bonuses of coming to seminary is that within the first year, I understood what it meant to be Catholic. I understood how to pray. And again, I just kind of caught fire mm. and ran with it. So. Catching fire. Yeah. So let's say just another quick... Uh, so if we heard you right, though, just to say real quick, just to capitalize on that, um, obviously, I don't think we're saying... <laughs> I don't think we're saying that you shouldn't have a life of prayer, by all means, but yeah. it's just to say that God is big enough and powerful enough that we have to be open to the reality that even if you're not quite doing all the things you ought to be doing, he can still show up and put something on your heart and call you to something yeah. that might be out of your realm. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's I had the voice a of Jesus. long argument with a seminarian at the time when I was a seminarian that God can break into people's lives at the lowest point of their sure. lives. And he's Heck like, yeah. he's like no way, no one who's like wasted or high or whatever can hear God. I'm like, that's exactly, that's, that's when exactly they out of the depths I call to Yeah, you. exactly. Yep. That's he comes for the sick and the lost. Yep. You know, like, yeah, the righteous need it, don't need it. So like God, can, yeah, like I'm just and how marvelous, home, like how, how marvelous when yeah, God yeah. does it. Yeah. Like it shows, it gives hope. All yeah. things are possible with him, right? But I was going to just, if I can Please. rewind quickly, it does tie into discernment because in it would have been like July or August before I entered seminary, I remember I was at Dooley Park. I grew up in Roseville, so nice. Dooley Park's like a mile track, you know. And I was struggling because it's like, Lord, I want to do this, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can do this. And I said, well, how about this? I've been walking here every day, you know, as part of exercise. I'd lost a lot of weight. It's probably in the best shape of my life at the time. Like, and if I meet a girl, yeah, exactly. And then I, <laughs> so that's exactly it. I said, you know, because Did I call right, that? so right. I've been like, I've Something been coming here. I've been looking. Sun. Right. I said, so how about this? Let's just be specific. I'm hoping for like a Southern Belle. Let's just say from Tennessee, 
beautiful girl. Let's why, why did her name be Jolene or something like that? You know, there's a song written about I, Jolene. I didn't know that at the time, yeah. but now there's I do. A number of songs <laughs> yeah. named Jolene. Right? Yeah. So so I'm walking, and no sooner do I turn the corner, there's this lovely, beautiful girl, probably around my age, and I was like, oh, <laughs> so excited. And so I made a pass. We smiled. Made another pass. She She's smiled like, again. You, you got the time. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was so. Like, I was <laughs> hoping. Your name, Joey? I was hoping. And so I said, "All right, third pass. I'm gonna say something." So we're making our rounds, and as soon as I turned the corner, she bolted into the subdivision, and I was like, "There it is." Well, fine. I guess I'll be a priest, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so here's the thing. Obviously, still didn't know how to pray that kind of thing, as God would have it. I'm ordained a priest. Uh, I was I started at Holy Family Novi, went to St. Anastasia Troy, and I was helping the youth minister with a retreat. And so they did a retreat up at, uh, I think it was one of the YMCA ones up in Attica. So uh, John Booten, he's the youth minister at uh, Anastasia, doing a great job. Um, he he asked me, calls me up, he says, hey, uh, would you be able to pick up some thread or some string? We're doing, we need it for an activity, we forgot it. No problem. So I'm shooting up uh, Rochester Road, and uh, I stop in Dryden, and I'm like, you know, antique store, nothing. Dollar General, nothing. It's okay. So I go up Lake Pleasant now. It's just before uh, Inlay City Road, and there's a Dollar General there. So I was like on my way Why to the you camp. stop at like Joanne Fabrics? Well, I don't know if you know. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the country there. Uh, there's not a lot of options there, good buddy. Um, so, so what's funny is like I was thinking about different options, and as I was about to pass the Dollar General there, I heard a voice say, "Turn now," and so I went, <laughs> basically almost hit someone. Did a U-turn in a two-lane yeah, exactly. road? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Right, and so I went into the to the store. And I go to the clerk, I said, hey, uh, would you happen to have any thread or any string for like sewing? Yeah, aisle six, I'm like, or aisle 12. I'm like, great, yes. Yeah. So I go over there, walk up and down, typical you know, guy shopping. I don't see anything. Okay. So I go back, I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, you can't find it. Can you help me? Yeah, sure. So we go over there, and she's like, oh, looks like we're all sold out. And I said, well, do you have any like any anything that could be similar? So we find this twine. So I go out, and... There was a lady who had been paying and just watching the whole time. So I went, paid for this twine. I'm like, well, at the very least, you know, they can like clothesline each other, you know, no big deal, whatever activity this is. Mm -hmm. So I go out, and as I'm about to go to my car, that same lady was standing there and she said, Did I hear correctly that you need string or some thread? I said, Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they're all sold out. I got this uh, twine that's best I could do. She's like, Well, I've got a whole bag of yarn in my, my car here. I said, you got to be kidding Why me. Why didn't she tell you before you bought it? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. she, was getting, uh, yeah. she was getting some kickbacks so from the yeah, store. Yeah, yeah, she pulls out this bag, nine balls of yarn. And Everybody she's like, carries nine she's balls like, of yeah, yarn like, in the trunk. I'm like, know? so what What color do you want? Oh, listen, I'll take whatever you got. So she gives me a brown one. That's good. And I said. Better than turquoise. Right. And I said, look, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, this is an incredible God moment. You have no idea. I said, w w where are you from? What's your name? She said, my name is Jolene. <laughs> I didn't hit me at first. I'm like, okay, well, Jolene, thank you so much. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you Catholic? No. I said, okay, would it be okay if I just prayed over you and give you a blessing? She's like, uh, I guess. So I just said something like, you know, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Jolene. I thank you for putting her in my path. And I also thank you for her generosity to help our youth group. I ask you to bless her family. I ask you to bless uh, all that she does and just help her to know your love. And may God bless you, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Nice. And so I went to the camp, hung out with them for a bit. And as I was driving home, I just said, Lord, you are so good. <laughs> like, yeah. It would have been, so 2020, 
one happened. I said, 12 years ago, I was praying for a Jolene, you know, just to take me away from you or to be my wife, whatever it was, right? Yeah, yeah. And then all these years later, you put a Jolene in my path, not for love, not for romance, but to help me. And so you heard my prayer. Yeah. You gave me what I was yearning for, but again, not for my benefit, but in the, the most seemingly like simple, miraculous way. Who carries around nine balls of yard in their car? Right. God bless her. Jolene does. Yeah, Jolene does. Yeah. So, so again, I, I was so grateful for her. And again, it's just one of those things that a God moment, but then sure. God not forgetting or not, he made good on yeah. that prayer. And so that was, I mean, there's been some incredible things I've seen as a priest and experience, but that mm-hmm. was like God fulfilled his end of the deal. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. amazing. Glory that's to God. Cool. Yeah. Can we rhyme, rewind just for one second real quick? <laughs> yes. I think of like cassette tapes. Remember cassette tapes? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, definitely. You used that's to record right. songs on the radio. Mixtapes. in the yeah, 90s, yeah, the best tapes for people. Right. And then you, uh, you're, you're like trying to rewind it by hand afterwards. Yeah, with your finger. Yeah. yeah. With your finger. Oh, Anyways, yeah. Sorry. But uh, you mentioned the very beginning, you had all these things in your heart where like you wanted to be uh, Indiana Jones. Right. And a policeman. And earth I, I earth scientist, to, you yeah, wanted to be yeah. an earth scientist. I, I'm not saying that's you know totally bound up with your vocation, but I think there's something there sometimes that it's worth paying attention to more and more as a priest. Like God puts mysterious desires in our hearts, you know, when we're young often, I think. And you can think about like what what kind of fueled you as a little guy. You know, yeah. some, some guys want to be a pro athlete or they want to, they want to go, I don't know, uh, be a musician or they want to paint or they want to do whatever. But there, there's something I think that the Lord puts, there's something within that desire that starts to reveal like the desires that God's put on our heart. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. think so. So if you're out there and you, you know, don't, sometimes I think we can discount those things as like, well, that's just silly, you know, stuff that we did when we were young. But no, like God actually reveals something to us as we look back on our lives. Even when we're young, we have these desires. And they're, and they're oftentimes like, kind of uh, maybe even like outlandishly heroic, but they're, they're beautiful or and they silly. point us somewhere. Sure. Yeah, or yeah. silly. Like I watched Wall Street and I wanted to be a stockbroker. Like, and I was young. I had sure. no idea what sure. the movie was about, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. Right. But I just thought like, I want to be like that. That's cool. Right. Inspiration. But, yeah, inspiration. Yeah. But I, I took in an accounting class and I hated it and I, I can't do math. I'm like horrible yeah. at it. But in yeah. that movie, if you remember, you might not the one person was an art dealer and they had all this cool artwork around and part of it was like being a part of that and it had nothing to do with the numbers and being a stockbroker but the allure of the cool artwork that was around in the movie and something silly like that brought me to part of my vocation of wanting to create and make paintings and do different things and i'm still doing that today and i get to craft homilies and all those other different type of things that come from that you know so and it may even be like not the particular thing, but there's something about that thing, like the adventure of it that draws you yeah. or the creativity of it that draws you or this desire to like want to rescue that, that draws you, Sure, which is actually a good, those are good desires. Yeah. And they can sometimes help us to see maybe like when we talk about God's made you for something, maybe this is what God's made me for. This is how he's made right. my heart in a unique way and made your heart. And it makes it, yeah. And that's the thing, like God puts those desires there or maybe it's just uh, a personal interest, but then he, he reforms it, right? Yeah. So that it becomes him is driven by him right yeah and again like with me uh, is that savior's complex still there yeah i mean it's it comes in the way of like for example holy family novi i love the spanish community there I, i'm sure it's such a beautiful parish and um 
pretty soon their associate is being reassigned down down south, I think Mississippi, uh, Father Clifford. Okay. And of course, like one of the challenges is there's not a priest there to do the Spanish Mass. Mm. Now, I'm at that age where the spirit is willing, the flesh is willing. Mm-hmm. Could I help them every week? Yeah, I could, but is it prudent? No. Is it fair to the assignment I'm at with St. John Newman in, in resurrection? No, it's sure. not. And so for me, there are times I may be able to help out, but I sure. can't fix it. I can't save that parish, right? Sure. And I will do my best to be a friend, to support them, but I have duties. The archbishop assigned me to a specific assignment. Yeah. And so, again, one of the things I've learned is that though I have a good heart, I definitely want to help people, and I can, I also have to be faithful to my, my people and to not, yeah. if you will, burn myself out or overextend, though yeah. I'm capable of it right now. So, yeah, no, and I think yeah. with the save, I mean, I get where you're staying with the savers complex and how that can lead you astray. At mm-hmm. the same time, I would just say that there's probably something in, in that desire as a little guy where, like, you wanted to do something good sure. and lay your life down for people and, and kind of rescue them in some ways, yeah. right? And, and that's of God. I mean, obviously, it can get carried too far, as you just mentioned, in trying yeah. to be like the person who yeah. saves him. Only Jesus can save us. Right. That's very, very clear if you, if you don't know that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who <laughs> has the, the capacity to rescue us. I think yeah. if that falls, then we lose everything. The Lord, the Lord can do that, wants to do that. Lord, Blessed we don't be know Jesus. the way. Show us the That's way. Right. That's right. That's but right. But there is something. There's just to say, like, not all of that desire is bad. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. There is That's something right. maybe like in the the inklings of it that could lead one to see that maybe Jesus actually wants me to rescue people, but not for myself or my own strength, with His power for yeah. Him Absolutely. to come to know the Father. Absolutely. I don't yeah. know. So how did that work in your life when you were riding the bull and trying to... Dirt bikes, bro. Yeah. Riding the Red Bull and dirt bikes. Like, <laughs> I, Yeah, I was... Um, flying through the air. That's probably another show. We you have like, one of those caps where they had the fox on the top of we had a, it? We had helmets. We didn't... This is in the 19, you know, 60s, 50s, 40s. What? Oh, you said dirt bikes. We had helmets on. Okay. Yeah. But only after, though, you would take the Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 we had some hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah. leave yeah. it to old, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick up what I'm I saying. I got yeah. it. I got it. Yeah, right on. <laughs> well, this is about Father uh, H to the OU, right? That's right. Yeah. So one so, and only. Thanks a lot. Well, we're going to give you the last word. Like, Yeah, what do you want to say? There's someone listening right now, whether he's an older man who's still contemplating his vocation there's a younger man maybe just getting out of high school there's another guy who's been out of college for two years and he comes to you father or there's a guy who's a sinner out there as we all are yeah who's far away from god and he starts to hear that knock on the door of his heart there's a guy that's like cranked on red bull right now he's drank two he just got done (laughs) off-roading and yeah Somehow he turned on to this podcast. What would you? Or just say? some average Joe. <laughs> or just right? some yeah. Or he's working construction <laughs> so, right now, just wondering what his life's. I have. Or to, he's driving in his car, going to the youth group. I have to go back to what I know, and that's my roots. And I bring up Our Lady Queen of All Saints a lot because I loved it. I, I was very sad when it closed, but the reason I bring that up is there was a priest there, Monsignor Ferdinand de Canute. He was very much a big reason why I'm here. Father Babich as well, but Monsignor de Canute. I think he died, it was either 96 or 97. Right before he died, he was wheeled into Mass. He had a table in front of the altar that he would do Mass from. Mm. And That's beautiful. If you remember the, uh, what was it, before the Detroit Catholic? Uh, what, what was, was it? it before the Michigan, Detroit? Catholic. Michigan Catholic. Michigan Catholic, thank Catholic. you, yeah. They did an interview with him, and he was quoted as saying, I am a happy priest. That was the title. They just went through kind of like all the things that he saw in the course of his life, and they asked if you could do it all over again, would you? He said in a heartbeat. And so 
those words of his, I am a happy priest, Amen. it drives me. It is something that I myself am very happy to be a priest. I'm we know you're a happy <laughs> priest, a happy person. <laughs> yeah. So you, you would tell the guys, like, this is, this is the glory, most glorious life on the face of it's the earth. It's worth it. And, and without question, what I would tell, and one final thought, um, when I was here in seminary, before I, was, before I went on my internship year, uh, I sat down with then Father Battersby, now bishop, and he said, like, Jim, I got to tell you, like, you are the happiest, saddest guy I've ever seen in my life. Happiest, saddest guy. <laughs> yeah, and he said, you're, like, you're, your bishop face Battersby. is one thing, you're always smiling, but your eyes tell a different story. Oh. And I didn't understand at the time, but during my internship year, I did do some work in my personal life, maybe from the past history, and I came to see that, yeah, like, for the longest time, I would just put on that happy face, like everything's great, like, like Lego movie, everything is awesome, you know. Yeah. But no, like, I like the second movie better because yeah. they're like, <laughs> yeah. everything is not awesome. Yeah, there you go. But what I realized is Dark that clouds. so many times, so many times, I would put on that happy face, though I was miserable or angry. But during the course of the year at Saint Daniel Molokai, beautiful yeah. place, I came to see that you're going to have bad days. You're going yeah. to struggle. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to let people down. Not only is that part of life, it could be part of priesthood. But in the midst of mistakes or in the midst of, of trials, there can still be joy. And and there is joy. Yeah, and there's a big difference between being happy and joyful. Though I'm a happy priest, I think more specifically I am a joyful priest. Before I was ordained, there were two things I asked of God. The first is apostolic boldness, to speak the truth, to not really worry about feelings or be the sweetheart. But, of course, do it charitably. And the second was a joy that no one or nothing could take away. Amen and to that. He, he came through. And Praise God. when I say that, it's like, yes, happy priest like Monsignor de Canute, but more specific, I am joyful. And I, I love it. What it means is that no matter what is going on, no matter what I'm enduring or going through, Jesus is my rock and he's the source of that joy. And John Paul II once said, the year I was born, when he came to Los Angeles speaking to the youth, the deepest joy there is in life is the joy that comes from God Amen. and is found in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is my Lord, is my hope, he is your hope, he is the hope of the world. Amen. 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 That's a great note to end on. Yeah, right? I got Jesus nothing else Lord. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Well, thank you, Father Thanks Jim, a lot for coming Thank on. you for this, this holy is... hour. I appreciate hey, it. Hey. Thanks, Father Craig. You blessed us. You put a smile on my face. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray yeah. that, that I may be that faithful priest of Jesus, just as I pray for the both of you. Amen. And then for the, the fellows discerning or open to, it's worth it. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great life. Praise be to God. Well, you want to lead us out praise in the prayer, Father Jim? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this gift of our faith. We thank you for this life of imitating you and following you. You are the source of our joy, and we ask your blessing upon this. All those who listen, all those who will eventually listen, that they may not be afraid to follow you, that they may not be afraid to ask, what do you desire? What is your will for me? And may you give them the grace to follow and to do all that you ask. We ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Jim. Yep, you're welcome. Yeah, rock on. And thank you, Father Drew. God yeah, bless you, too. You. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And Father Drew, maybe. As we explore the priesthood here, vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.